Hello and Merry Christmas from your At The Flicks team of Graham, Jeff and if he was here, Neil. He is out playing a round of golf in that pre-Christmas period, but more on him later. Now, as you let your festive meal settle, we have a special treat for you. In this episode, we're going to be talking to some wonderful people who you should recognise from earlier shows. They're all going to be looking back at the film year that was 2021 and give us their view on how it shaped up. And then, as the marzipan on top of the Christmas cake, they will reveal their five favourite movies of the year. On At The Flicks, it is always ladies first, and so we talk to the wonderful Emma. Happy Christmas, Emma. How are you doing? Happy Christmas. Thank you for having me. I've been uh, working really hard on getting this list down to to five and uh, I've been having trouble, so I'm sure we will have lots to debate. Good, we're looking forward to that then. But before we go into all of that, you have some excellent news for our listeners. Could you tell us about your newsletter, please? Oh, well, yes. Um, so, like I didn't have enough to do in my spare time, I thought, you know what, I want to waffle more about the films that I've been seeing and ones that I probably don't have enough to do a full review on. So I've just put together a monthly newsletter just to sort of give a quick paragraph response to uh, the films I've been seeing. You can subscribe through my Twitter and there's a link on my website as well. Yeah, so far positive feedback. So I'm looking forward to uh, doing more of those and uh, I'm also going to start doing a few like specials with like specific actors and genres and things like that. So yeah, I'm Excellent. really excited for it. I really enjoyed it. And uh, you've got me watching the Christmas film that would avoid it at all costs normally, but I was intrigued by what you said about it. Intriguing is the correct word. <laughs> <laughs> it's got Kelsey Grammer and John Cleese in it. Mm. <laughs> okay, moving very swiftly on. So could you give your website out uh, again for our listeners, please, so they can go on and, fi- and find uh, the newsletter? Yeah, you can um, find me at uh, com and Emma at the Movies on Twitter as well. So you should just be able to find me by searching that. Brilliant. And thank you very much for the At The Flicks plug on the advent calendar on there as well. Uh, you've got to get the Christmas uh, spirit right up there this year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've had to do a few changes to a couple of them. Thank you, SoundCloud. Not their fault. Whose fault is it? EMI. <laughs> thank you, EMI. <laughs> they took us down we got a copyright notice on one of our shows yeah uh, one of yours emma as it turned out well, yeah i like to be controversial <laughs> <laughs> so we got to do a slight bit of music editing on that one but it will be there from advent to 2021 film year was it a hit or miss for you emma well i think it's been it's been good i mean obviously we're not getting quite as many as as we'd hoped still it's racking up some top-notch films I think so I've definitely enjoyed everything I've been watching I think I've done it's about 140 new 2021 films they're not all as disastrous as that Christmas one so (laughs) (laughs) that was a positive did you find it a culture shock as we got to what almost halfway through the year and could then go from streaming back into cinemas again it was really good to be back I've missed it so much. Like, I love watching films at home, but it's just not the same. 
And of course, then you get that little bit of doubt, like, oh, I watched this one at home, but what would it have been like on the big screen? Oh, yeah. Um, So it's a little bit sad, but at the same time, you know, I'm still getting to see the film, so it's all good. (laughs) So it's the moment of truth. I'd do a drum roll, but uh, (laughs) I can't do that. Um, Your top five. So in reverse order, what's your number five? The last time we did this, I had trouble... And I'm already looking at my list going, do I really think that's number five? (laughs) (laughs) Again. I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. Um, I've picked uh, Nobody, which was Bob Odenkirk starring as the main character, who's, he appears to be like a very boring, ordinary man. And after he gets burgled, he ends up at the end of his straw, goes off to search for the culprits and, we discover that he's not quite as ordinary as we'd originally thought and gets in a bit of a war with a gang of Russians. It's basically John Wick for regular people. (laughs) 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 Even though Hutch in the film is not ordinary at all. (laughs) It's, um, yeah, it was honestly so much fun. I was sitting watching it and I was reacting like verbally to all that, like, punches and just everything and it was just so funny although it's not a comedy I enjoyed it so much like it's definitely one I will re-watch quite often yeah it's also got Christopher Lloyd in it and just he was amazing I mean it needed more of him but what we had was very good all right now I haven't seen this and I was put off it by the, the comparison you made as as you talked about it, about it sort of John Wick-like. But you say it's John Wick for ordinary people. John Wick is very glossy, over-the-top action. And this is like almost like a dumbed-down version of it. I, have you seen the trailer at all? Yes. I think they have a bit of the, the bus fight in that trailer. And... It's just so entertaining and it's so well done. It feels like a regular person is just going out to do all these insane things. Whereas like in most action films, you know, someone gets shot and it's like they don't react or something. It's all very much like he's getting his knocks and just the way it's done. I, I really enjoyed it. And it's it's much more laid back. Like I don't feel so anxious about the ridiculous things that are happening as I did watching things like John Wick. So I honestly think it's it's well worth a watch. And as I say, Christopher Lloyd in that. If nothing else, that you'll find that hilarious. Okay. And the lead actor, he was in Breaking Bad, wasn't he? Yeah. It's good that um, you know that because I had no idea. Like the only no, thing I, I've there. never seen Breaking Bad, so I'm <laughs> just going, um, yeah. No, I yeah. mean, I think, and I think that helps as well, that although I know of him, the only thing I was able to say, oh, I've seen him in this, was, and now I can't even think of the name of it, Little Women. Oh, right, okay. Um, So I really had no idea who he is, which I think helped the film, because if it was someone, like, big action-y that I already knew of, I don't think it would have hit the same way as it did. You've convinced me to watch this. (laughs) Right. Now on my to-see list. What's next, then? So next up is Cruella. Oh, yes. I had avoided watching the trailers for it because I was like, I want to see it at the cinema. I don't want to see it on my tiny little screen at home. Obviously, once stuff started reopening, went in. This was one of the first trailers I saw. And 
just the trailer on its own looked incredible. So I was really excited for it. And obviously going to the cinema to see it, I just was completely blown away. I mean, the the style of the whole film was incredible, like the costumes and the sets and everything. And quite frankly, if it doesn't win a lot of costume design awards, I, I just don't know what's going on in the world <laughs> if it doesn't. Yeah, it had a load of like really great callbacks to the original animated 101 Dalmatians, which I loved. Like it brought a smile to my face every time it popped up. I really found it interesting the way they'd done the friendship between Cruella and uh, Jasper and Horace, her henchman. Although I would say I preferred Horace, who was Paul Walterhauser. I just thought he was incredible. And especially with Wink the dog, that was just brought me so much joy to see. It was incredible. I really, really enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I absolutely loved it. Bit of a spoiler for our upcoming show. It is in my top five as well. Fantastic. Uh, I was very cynical towards it before I saw it, thinking, yet again, it's another introduction movie. Don't you uh, love for- an origin story, though? I mean, villain no. origin no. stories are incredible. <laughs> which which what other one? Um, well, just like, yeah, any any villain origin story, like that's one of the things that always intrigues me, like how did they become who they are? And like Maleficent. Yeah, Maleficent was okay. That. I think we should have more of it, to be quite honest. Well, if they're this standard, I'll go with that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what, well, firstly, it's set in the 70s. Mm. And, you know, that was, that's my era. So I love that. And I loved all the punk rock and everything related to that in the designs of the costumes, but in also the manner of the time. And it even infiltrated the music score. You know, on one hand, you can get a punk rock number, and then suddenly it cuts and goes to a Ken Dodd number. And, you know, even the music is schizophrenic. Uh, performances were, were amazing. Mm. Yeah, I was hooked from beginning to end. I, I, I really blown away by this film. Absolutely, thing, an absolute gem. The only thing I would say, I mean, it's not necessarily against the film, is that actually we don't learn one of the key pieces about her personality in this film. And that's what like concerned me. I don't know whether I want to see Cruella too, because I quite enjoyed this as it was. Yeah. yeah. So I'm intrigued to see what they do with the second one. But yeah, I certainly enjoyed this as it was. Well, in essence, Cruella too is the Glenn Close 101 Dalmatians. Spoilers for everyone who hasn't seen this film. Maybe skip forward a bit. We don't find out why she hates Dalmatians so much that she wants to turn them into a kite. Dogs. That's amazing <laughs> oh, like she's, she's taken them into her her new manor house mm. and gifts them to Anita and Roger, but that's the end of it. We don't see why she hates them. But she also has a line earlier in the film is, don't believe everything you're told about me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I still think that's a long stretch to I'm going to make a coat out of Dalmatian puppies. Uh, <laughs> I personally had no problem with it. But no, no, Jeff. <laughs> right. But wonderful choice. Absolutely brilliant film. Oh. Really, yeah, yeah. Loved that. Well, high standard indeed. Number three. <laughs> so my next one, I actually saw this last year at the film festival and it's herself. And it's the story of a young mother who escapes her abusive husband. She's trying to get back on her feet and she's having to deal with the housing system, which is 
making her jump through hoops and she finally decides she wants to build her own house. I want to fix him, you know. I know, but there are some people you just can't. I have designed a house that costs just 35,000 euros to build. Sandra, why didn't you ask me? Your mother was far more than a cleaner to me. She was a friend. It's land going to waste. Use it. Build a house for you and your girls. It's an interesting tale because, and I think it's really well done, Claire Dunn has been the one to come up with the story, I believe, and then she co-wrote it and she actually plays the lead of um, Sandra. So I think that really helps because obviously she's got that vision for what she wants it to be on screen. And it was absolutely heartbreaking. Just from the outset, you get such tension and fear just from everything, really. And there's a one particular scene which happens very early on where Sandra is being attacked by her husband and she sent her daughters outside to hide and go and get help. And the camera shifts and you see her looking directly at her daughter, like the eye contact. It was just so hard hitting that, I mean, it just stopped me in my tracks. Like I, I was hooked from then. Like I was really invested in how she was going to just get through this entire situation. So we see her as she is, as I say, trying to jump through hoops with, you know, the housing situation and trying to look after her girls when she's essentially got nowhere to live. And then obviously dealing with her ex and like having to have shared custody of the girls. Genuinely, like it was so well done emotionally. And there's one court scene and I was just, I was a wreck. I was just weeping. The sad thing was it came out in September this year and it was hardly anywhere. And I really think people need to see this one. It's it's just so incredibly well done. Isn't it an Amazon Prime movie as well? Uh, it is an Amazon original movie, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if that's out on there yet. Or it might, it might be yeah, on there. I, I know um, Darren on our review team was absolutely bowled over with this movie as well. Mm. Yeah, it's just it was fantastic, and like I say, devastatingly real in the way it was done. It's not one I don't, I don't think I could put myself through watching it again. It was well worth. A watch. And again, I was put off by the subject matter. It just seemed so much of a downer. Mm. That, that it is I... a very depressing film, but it does have incredibly uplifting moments. It's definitely not one I would recommend to many people, just purely because of its subject matter. Did you ever see Tyrannosaur, Paddy Constantine's so. film? No, that is the bleakest of the bleak, and I just wanted to run a comparison alongside <laughs> oh, yeah. that. Well, I definitely haven't seen that then. <laughs> run it. That's your bleak meter, is it? Well, you know, the first five minutes of it, he kicks a dog to death. Oh, so, right. Oh, that's... No, a... I'm definitely not watching that. <laughs> it's Paddy Constantine. I think Olivia Coleman's in it as well. Oh, wow. From memory. Yeah, that was traumatic. But this one, if it's got an Emma recommendation, then I'm going to yeah. watch it. Absolutely. Excellent. So, yeah. Okay, then. Right, there we go. The top five that's educating me. Where's number two going to take us? Well, <laughs> this is the one. So I did say to you, I was like, there were two films that I, I hadn't decided between. I can honestly guarantee that no one thought that two films from this actor would be in a heated contest for a top spot this year. Here we are. 
and I'm talking about Nicolas Cage <laughs> and Pig was bizarrely Yay. different, interesting and surprisingly emotive, uh, but that's not my pick for number two. Bill <laughs> um, Graham up and knocked him back down. Again. Yeah, yeah, I um, loved Pig. I really did. I, it, Pig was amazing, and honestly, I was like, I can't put two Nicolas Cage films in the top five. Just can't happen. <laughs> and and Gra- Graham, sat, Graham sat watching it with a bacon sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this list wouldn't be an Emma list if it didn't have something ridiculous in it, and so I actually went with Willy's Wonderland. which honestly i adore it's insane it is bonkers yeah i actually went then on a little hunt for similar things so i watched the banana splits movie honestly i thought it was like a sensible kids film i didn't realize it was a horror (laughs) so when i found it out it's like oh i watched that one too Um, what you're holding in tatters there as my childhood (laughs) (laughs) Nicholas Cage, I love him. I just love him. I mean, he doesn't say a word in this film. No. I know. And it's incredible. <laughs> just yeah. honestly, like it makes me so happy to watch because of its ridiculousness. I marked him down as a special needs case in this film. With you know, with his not talking and it's just some of his mannerisms and he would like do the most appalling acts of violence, then carry on like nothing had ever happened. And what on earth was that drink he was having at every break I, time? I don't know, but I feel like I need to get some of that. Uh, <laughs> but it just amused me. Like, you know, he was a stickler for, for all the rules. And he kept having his, his like, breaks from work. Yeah. And all the murderous activity just stopped. They're like, oh, yeah, okay. Designated tea break time. We'll all, we'll all go put our feet up until he's done with his pinball machine. It's just yeah. great. <laughs> it is. It is bizarre. I remember when I saw it, the one thing that really struck me is that it's almost a comment on Trump's America. You know, they con him into doing these things and everybody's trying to rip him off and make money out of something that essentially is corrupt and seedy at its core. <laughs> but it's also a beat up slasher movie. So, you know. Yep. Fantastic. Great fun. Yep. Yeah. And now Cage is going to play Dracula. I'm excited for that. <laughs> like, I yeah. saw that and I was like, what in God's name is happening here? I need this now. Blues <laughs> Wonderland is definitely, definitely worth a look at. I mean, Wonderful. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's bonkers, but in a good way. Indeed. Like many Nicolas Cage films. <laughs> M- most. Yeah. Most. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That brings us into the top slot. And that's after such a diverse bunch. If I was a betting man, I couldn't put money on what this is going to be. (laughs) For my number one spot. Now, there are a few films that I still have to see, but I don't think they're going to knock any of these out of my top five. My number one is the animated film, The Mitchells versus The Machines. Okay. Again, I haven't seen it. Yes. So um, originally I had seen this trailer in the cinema before see all this nonsense happened um, and it was called Connected. I was aware I hadn't seen anything about it and what happened was Netflix bought it and changed its name back to what it had originally been which was The Mitchells versus The Machines and they released it online and I watched it a handful of times as soon as it came out, I was just hooked. The story is the daughter of 
the Mitchell family is going to college and everything's changing. Dad's not having a great time with it they, and they have a falling out. So he decides he's going to cancel her flight to get to college and they're going to road trip it as a family and just get back some of that that magic. So whilst this is all happening, you've got Mark, who is a tech guru, and he's making a big announcement, like essentially like the whole Apple sort of situation. And he says, I'm going to bring robots to your households and they're going to help you do everything, making a sandwich, cleaning up, because, you know, that never ended badly in a film ever. <laughs> um, so whilst the Mitchells are out on their vacation, the robot uprising happens and they take over the world, capture all the humans apart from the Mitchells and their rather bizarre dog, Mochi. So it's it's about how they managed to save the world, basically. The animation of it itself is great, but it also works in the daughter's animation, like she makes films for YouTube, things like that. And so she has her own style. So it's almost like she's documenting their trip as it goes along. So you see extra animation come in where she's like making it fantastical. That works really well. I'm, honestly, this dog, MVP, loved it. Genius. <laughs> the dog's incredible. I mean, really the linchpin to saving the world. He's so <laughs> ugly that the computers cannot analyse him. They don't know what he is. That's just, it's genius. And the fact that his eyes don't go in the right directions. <laughs> um, I just loved it. And then um, the voice actors are, are really good in it, but I absolutely adore Maya Rudolph, who plays Linda, the mum. She goes absolutely mental in, like, the end because she wants to protect her son. And it's like the Terminator has been merged with with several action stars and she goes on a rampage. And that was honestly the most fantastic thing I'd ever seen. The whole thing, like how they deal with what's happening and obviously they, they get chased by various robots and uh, other tech things. Like I don't want to spoil it, but there's an incredible bit in a, in a mall... <laughs> That just, yeah, the, the, the piece in the mall is... Yeah, yeah that, I mean, that amused me with the nostalgia of it. It was just genius. It's just so much fun. And honestly, like, even like the kids love it because of the action. But I, I reckon just any adult would like this if they like action films. Right, I'll give it a go then. <laughs> it's another one I haven't seen. <laughs> yeah, that sounds... Uh, but certainly... Um, an, an impressive and wide-ranging choice. No no question of that whatsoever. You no, know I always have to have to try and do that. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Very so, different. Yeah, so that sums up 2021, and that's mm. a, a fantastic top five. What are you looking forward to in 2022? Ooh, well, <laughs> there's a lot of film series that are having endings, new chapters in, so I'm hoping that is going to be something really good. We've got Scream 5 in January, and I adore that series anyway. Hello? It's happening. Three attacks so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. Samantha? I'm, I know who you are. I've been through this a lot. 
This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. Looking forward to that one straight off the bat. And then we've got John Wick Chapter 4 coming out, potentially the last, who knows, Jurassic World film Dominion. Uh, that's coming out. And I'm hoping Halloween ends is good because Halloween Kills this year was terrible. Yeah, it was just filler. It was just completely pointless and everything in it made me mad. So <laughs> I'm really hoping that this one sums it up nicely and I can forget the last one happened. Let's be fair, Jamie Lee Curtis did all right. They paid her to have a couple of naps in a bed. <laughs> I know. I was just that that was genius. I mean, she definitely had the right idea there, but um I'm gonna sleep this one out, yeah. <laughs> um I mean I do like I love the first one of this new set, so I'm I'm really hoping they do end it well because otherwise I'm gonna be devastated. Yeah. Especially that I had to I didn't have to, but I watched all of the other Halloween films. What in the all run-up. of them? Including Rob Zombies. Yeah, I wish I hadn't. I was just so angry at them. They were terrible. So bad. that so, <laughs> I did a, a whole ranking of the Halloween films, and they were the only two that I put below Halloween Kills, just because yeah. they were terrible. Wow, that bad. Well, like, um, there's no subtlety. Like, the subtlety of the original and, like, some of the newer ones. It was just, they are just like... Let's just go all out and go mental. And I just really wasn't there for it. I refused to watch the one after Halloween H2O, which I thought that's an ending. It doesn't need it. But then, no, they did Halloween Resurrection. I refuse to this day to watch it. I quite like Resurrection. It is ridiculous, as you'd expect. Yeah. So where do you stand on Halloween 3? So I enjoyed it. And I think... It helps that obviously people have told me it's not a Halloween film. Don't think it's a Halloween film. I would actually really like to see that remade. Now, generally, I'm against that on principle. However, I think that would be really good as a new modern take. I would absolutely adore seeing that. The only thing probably I liked about Halloween Kills was that they had callbacks to other things and they had the masks in there which I, I thought was like a really nice touch after halloween 2 carpenter's idea was we're going to do different halloween stories and of course when halloween 3 just flopped that idea went and they went back to michael myers which is a real shame because carpenter's view is he said everything he wanted to say in 1978 there's nothing else to be said about it so it is interesting where all this has gone i think the one thing of the one this year halloween kills that i did like was the callback to the people who were there in the first film you know the characters of tommy doyle and Lindsay, um and how they grew up in the shadow of that night and how it impacted them i thought that was a good idea may not have been fully realized i found that like you said you know it is a nice touch I've only very recently watched the series and I found it very difficult to remember who they were. Right. I knew they were in the older ones, but I couldn't really place it. So I found that a little bit confusing. Certainly, I, I did like the way it touched back to some of the old yeah, ones. Yeah, except for the nurse, of course. the nurse. So she was, her only in dealing with him was in that car when he took over the car and she lived hundreds of miles away and they, they brought her back for this, you're thinking... Don't know. I hope she got her senior citizens pass to get there. 
but yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it was just filler. And as you say, I, I understand that there are references to COVID in the new film. Yeah, so Halloween Ends takes place a few years later, and that's there are references to COVID. That's all I know about it. Michael Myers didn't get the vaccine, so he dies of COVID. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> oh, wouldn't that wouldn't that be an interesting end to the series? <laughs> Fantastic end. God. Um, yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So. Yeah. Some good films to look forward to there as well. So. As I said, that's a fantastic and very eclectic choice. And three of them I haven't seen, and you've now talked me into watching them. So thank you for sparing us your time during this busy period. And thank you, as always, for all your support with the At The Flicks Advent Calendar. Enjoy the rest of your Christmas and New Year, Emma. Thank you, and you. Next up on our show on Famous Voices Top 5s, we have Elijah from the US of A. Hi, Elijah. Long time no speak. How are things with you? Things are great. Excellent. All set for Christmas? Finally, yeah. Actually, we, we've done a lot of new things this Christmas. We set up lights on the house. and Oh. Well, I guess that's really the only new thing. But we're in a new house, so. Hey. <clears throat> a lot's happened this year. And how does it compare to the old house? Yeah. <laughs> well, for one, I have two working bathrooms. Excellent. That's always a plus. <laughs> Every time I try to fix something, I don't find ten other problems. So Ooh, yeah, my oven doesn't work though. That's a that's an issue. Oh, that's a bummer. The weather's good. You can always cook outside, can't you? Yeah, barbecue. You're all right for that. Oh yeah, I have been grilling out a lot. We've got a fire pit. Doing stuff for the kids. Brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, well, I just wants to go back to South Africa for Christmas. And there was a shock in line for her. Moving very swiftly on from that one. <laughs> so let's talk films. I'm on safer ground here. Uh, 2021, the film year. Was it a hit or miss for you, Elijah? Honestly, I haven't been able to see most of the films that have come out this year. We lost our rental places here in town, so... All of a sudden, I lost my ability to go out and rent new movies, so I have to wait for them to come out on streaming. And if they don't come out on streaming, I just I don't feel like paying ten to fifteen dollars to buy on digital or buy half of these films that I don't know if I'm going to want to keep in my library or not. And I don't get to go to the theaters very often. It's but hard got- to find anyone who will watch four kids. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got HBO Max, some of you, which is I do. Uh, Certainly this year has got a lot of things coming on there as it's going into cinemas. It has. And I've, I've liked a lot of things that have showed up on there, but I wouldn't necessarily say all great. Like, I haven't seen King Richard yet. I haven't watched that one. Yeah, there's a pretty decent one called, I think, Those That Wish Me Dead with uh, Angelina Jolie. Oh, I loved that film. I'm yeah, that really one was really that. good. Yeah. Yeah, it's very different to the book, but I, I, I was really impressed with the way they... Um, they took it. Have you read the book? I have not. So in the book, the boy goes into witness protection because the two hitmen are like the top two hitmen in the world, so to speak. And he's seen him do a killing. So they're after him. And it's all about her protecting the boy. And there's nothing of this other corruption structure on top of it. 
So mm-hmm. it's, it's a lean, mean thriller. Really good. But the film and certainly had its moments. And the fire effects were all really good. And it's cool to see Angelina Jolie in an action role again. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So streaming has been a lifesaver for you this year then? <laughs> it's been my only lifeline to cinema. <laughs> okay. I, I've been able to make a few exceptions, but generally I've been homebound and workbound and all that. Yeah. So your films of the year then? This is going to be an interesting choice. So your top five, what would you put in number five? So this is um, not going to be a, a full feature-length film, actually. There was a short that came out on Apple TV Plus called Blush. And mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's beautifully animated. And the story is absolutely heartbreaking. Okay, that stunned me. I didn't... Oh, no. You do this. Just having a quick look at it now. Stranded horticulturist astronauts meet a visitor on a desolate dwarf planet. That's mm-hmm. the one. Yep. Yeah, it's it's not very long. I think eight minutes or so, something like that. But it's it's very well worth those those few minutes that you spend watching it. It's um, a testimony to the director's wife, oh. and a beautiful rumination on love and grief and loss and uh, it's. It's spectacular. Yeah, and it's this is completely new on me. I mean, there are films that people are giving us that I haven't seen, but I didn't even know about this. And I'm just reading a user review of it now. It says, best 10 minutes of my life, a <laughs> roller coaster of emotions. Wow. So I would compare it to the first, like, eight minutes of Up. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> that's a high bar. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But in a way, maybe more poignant. Or right. point it in a slightly different way. Wow, that is brilliant. Okay, that's gone okay. straight on the list. Well, and it's an easy one to, to watch, you know. You yeah. pick that one yeah. up. <laughs> minutes, yeah. Ten minutes on uh, on Apple TV. Well, there we go. There's um, You blindsided me straight away, Elijah. Yeah. Let's, let's see what you do in number four. Um, number four is going to be The Mitchells versus The Machines. <laughs> Great it's, stuff. Proven to be a very popular choice. I think it is one of the best animated films I've seen in a long time. But again, it's it's one of those Phil Lord and Christopher Miller films. They've never... I don't think they've ever made a, a bad movie. No. Everything they make is fantastic. If it's Lego Movie or 21 Jump Street or Cloud with the Chance of Meatballs should have been awful. And it's a, it's an awesome movie. It's a great <laughs> yeah. film. Love that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I put it off for so long. I didn't see it when it first came out. It, because the trailer looked awful, it looked twee, and I just happened to be somewhere. And good friend of Graham and mine, Pat, said to me, you can have a look at this. And I just sat down and I was entranced. It's a great film. So it's the same people who made that, that made uh, Mitchell versus the Machines. Yep. You'd love it, Jeff, because it's got like a million and one movie references. And you can go, oh, that's that. Oh, I know mm-hmm. where that came from. Yeah. The little girl, in the, the character that the movie's about. Um, she's a big film nut as well, so you'd get a hell of a mm. kick out of it. It's yeah, yeah it's it is it's really good, and it has a good family dynamic that doesn't make anyone into a full caricature, <laughs> apart from the dad's use of the internet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like the dad's a terrible, like a terrible with technology, but really good with everything else. Yes, yeah, that's true. So it, it doesn't make him useless or pointless or completely no. stupid. 
we just spoke to Emma bef uh, before speaking to you, and um, uh, she put it as number one. And I can say that because I'm not spoiling anything because that part of the show will be before yours. <laughs> <laughs> Proving to be incredibly popular. Right. Okay. Two heavy hitters, two animation. Number three. Um, no Time to Die. Oh, wow. Okay. It's one of the few films I got to see in theaters this year. And my wife and I got to see it in IMAX. And I think it's probably my favorite of the Craig Bonds. Ooh. An emotional impact. Mm. Maybe not like story-wise, because you know, there's a problem with the the villain and the the whole MacGuffin aspect. But it's incredibly enjoyable. The score is fantastic. And for me as a as a father, it's incredibly emotionally resonant. And when you see Bond go full dad protector mode yeah in the forest it's just something we haven't seen from bond before that level of absolute brutality that scene in the forest for me was great on a number of levels one was yes you're right the absolute killer instincts that bond has but also the thing i liked about that was the methodical way he paced everything as he went through. Yep, I'll shoot these guys. I'll get this guy off his motorbike. Oh, there's a truck coming at me. I'll just sidestep it. That whole scene end-to-end -end, was so beautifully put together. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. And on top of the cinematography is gorgeous oh, throughout the film. Yeah. And there's, there's something about the use of film cameras with the way it interacts with light that I, I don't feel we get with the new digital stuff. It's not that, you know, digital movies aren't also beautiful. I mean, mm. I think Dune is, was all shot on digital and it's yep. one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, but no time to die has shots that are even just simple with the way light is hitting off the water and hitting into the, the lens mm. that just struck me a little bit different. I, I believe it's a fitting end to, to Craig. It allows his, the character that started, in Casino Royale to come full circle. You know, when he first starts off in Casino Royale, he doesn't like anything but married women. And <laughs> by the time we <laughs> re reach him here, you know, he's he's gone, you know, basically full monogamous, which we've never seen from a bond before. So he still likes married women, but it's his woman. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he would like to marry a woman. He's become something beyond himself as a father to, to yeah. a little Madeleine. What do you think about the length of the film? I didn't notice the time go by at all. Oh, testament to a great film. Yeah. First American director as well for a Bond film. Yeah, He's, he did a fantastic job. The action scenes were spectacular. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, the moment where he activates the EMP and the eyeball. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like a, it's like that meme with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, pointing at the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know what he's going to do. It's great. And as you say, a fitting uh, end to, to Daniel Craig. And of course, next year, we'll be back recording some more Bonds as we talk about Bonds in the 70s. Yep. So I have uh, to find yeah. a way to get them. Well, I think they'll all be on Prime by then because they now own the rights to all of them. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So Prime's big Oh, joke. that's right. They yeah. bought them. Yeah. Yeah. So Prime's big Christmas movie this year? No time to die. No time to die. 23rd of December, I believe it's coming on. I'm uh, I'm going to try to convince my wife to watch all the Craig Bonds with me because No Time to Die was her very first Bond movie ever. Oh, wow. Okay. 
That's an interesting place to start. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> start you know, the there's end. something about my family. We have a problem like actually watching things in chronological order or reading things in chronological order. Uh, I think that's just called life. It gets in the way, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't even want to tell you the order I read the uh, Chronicles of Prydain in. <laughs> that went right over my head. What was that? The uh, Chronicles of Prydain by Lloyd Alexander. Come on, Jeff. It's a it's a Welsh mythology. Is it? Oh, right. Okay. And they yeah, got shown up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, that was number three. Another great choice. Number two. So I'm actually um, a little bit conflicted on my choice for number two and number one, because for me, these, these films are equal this year, even though okay, I think one is one superior. So I'm going to go Zack Snyder's justice league is going to be my number two. Ooh. Yeah. Great choice. I need warriors. I'm building an alliance to defend ourselves. How do you know your team's strong enough? If you can't bring down the charging bull, then don't wave the red cape at it. It was the culmination of so many years of waiting, and it hit all the boxes for me. It's not a perfect film, but it's a very, very good film. And, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the ratio? Well, I upgraded from a 55 inch to a 65 inch immediately <laughs> after watching. So brilliant. Wow. And after that, I realized I should have gone for 80, but no. I... Oh, good grief. I don't have that much money. It just shows. I mean, in a way, Justice League was the first nail in the coffin of Joss Whedon's career. And you see. Good if, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I didn't realize he comes from a family of screenwriters. I'm reading The Boys at the moment, the uh, Ron Howard, Ron and Clint Howard autobiography. They're talking about this childhood days when he was in things like The Andy Griffiths Show. And one of the script writers on there was Joss Whedon's granddad. The apple seems to have fallen far from the tree. Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> Joss Whedon's a, a good writer. It's the baggage that comes with that. Terrible person. <laughs> you know, that's one of the things about Zack Snyder is he seemed like I don't, I, I've never heard anyone who works in the industry have a bad thing to say about him. All of the actors love to work with him. All the crew people love to work with him. The stunt guys all say he's amazing. And he's overcome terrible personal tragedy as well to mm-hmm. come back and do this. Yeah. We were saying about No Time to Die and it being the longest bond and you didn't notice it. And I didn't notice it on Justice League. Just got so into the characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, four hours, just real complex piece. It's just a shame they're not going to continue with that vision. I know. I, I so want to see what Snyder would have done with that. Just to give him his, basically, miniseries, you know. Give him his five films to just wrap up this story arc. Like what you'd have with a, a, a special comic book run. Yeah. Because that's what he was doing. He wasn't necessarily trying to set up the cinematic universe, like the MCU, which is a glorified TV show. He was no, setting no, no. up something very unique and contained within this world that he created that all more or less makes sense. And, you know, things spun off from there and you get Wonder Woman 1984, which is, you know, good Lord. Shockingly bad. So, so terrible. And, yep. you know, what's the one one of the worst parts? They got Hans Zimmer to do the score and they <laughs> didn't use any of the 80s themes he actually wrote in his sketchbook. That Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it is a bizarre experience, listen to this. You've, you've got the score for the film and you've got his sketchbook album, which came out, and the sketchbook mm-hmm. album is much better than what's in the film. I mean, it's just barking mad, really. And but, honestly, the same is true for my number one pick of the year. Go on then, let's, let's have that then. This will come as a great shock to many people, I am sure. Because <laughs> this movie will show up on no one else's top five. But it is Dune. Hey! <laughs> I did get to go see that in theaters. Again, I went opening weekend, IMAX. I wanted to make it down to, we have a true IMAX, 45 minutes from home. Mm-hmm. There's no feasible way for me to make it down there. And I get a little enough time with my family as it is that, you know, just have to make priorities. But I did get to see it in theaters and I watched it at home and haven't made it back to the theater to see it yet. But it blew me away. Had you read the book beforehand? I had. In fact, I, I so I thought I had read it before. Back in August, my younger brother gave me a copy of the book as a gift. So I reread it and realized I'd only up, read up to the halfway point every time I'd read it before. Well, that's all you needed for the film. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> and I never got past the rest for whatever reason. Up until... In August, I hadn't owned the first book in the series. I'd owned like second, third, fourth, fifth, and a couple of the... <laughs> well, we're back to the chron- Chronicles of Pride, Dane. <laughs> yeah. But I hadn't read any. I hadn't picked any of those up because I wanted to read the first one first because I knew what, was, what I was getting myself into there, kind of, sort of. Though I didn't realize how much on shrooms I needed to be to truly appreciate some of Dune. <laughs> I was amazed at how close to the book the movie was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is so incredibly close. Like yeah. it, it hews to, even though it, it can't contain, it can't hold everything that's in the book. It, it can't give you all the complexity. Just little things like the way the uh, Jessica interacts with Mapes. Shout yes. out Mapes. Yeah. And you can hear her almost want to say maker, you know, the word after maker, but she stops herself. Yeah. It's, it's such a small little detail, but they put it in there and it's so, so good. Uh, and that, the way she's conversing in the battle language with the mm-hmm. the guard behind her, but she knows that you know this woman c- couldn't take her on because she she's um, uh, you know Benny Gesserit. But yes, that yeah. was a great scene. In fact, I would have wanted more of her, but you, again, mm-hmm. it was a bit compressed at the beginning. I, from what I understand, they filmed scenes with um, her and uh, oh gosh, what's her name? The other Benny Gesserit woman who tried to warn her of the betrayal oh yes the, yeah i know the one you meant the, who left her the message in the in the garden room yeah so apparently that was in the film or it was it was filmed it wasn't you know put in the in the movie i would love to see an extended cut of this a three three and a half hour version yeah, i'd be fine too. with that i expect that will be coming out at some point mm-hmm. i fully expect the sequel to be three hours yes yeah and it'll be interesting where it ends because in the book it ends just before the jihad starts. And I wouldn't mind betting mm-hmm. they'll go into the jihad. So you can cover some of the ground between Dune and Dune Messiah. Yeah. Because Dune Messiah is just a book of regrets. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, the whole, all of Dune is basically Paul regretting what he has to do. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. trying to not do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Messiah is him trying to remove himself from it. You know, it's it's very obvious that this was made by people who loved the book. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer's score is 
brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, it is phenomenal. I think Zimmer has had an incredible year with this and No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. Um, two amazing scores. And for people that say, well, he just tunes the same thing out all the time, I think this, this proves them wrong. Yeah. For sure. I mean, this is so unique, so unlike anything he's done before. And like, well, I can hear tiny little cues and instrumentation styles that we've heard in his stuff before. None of it seems like it's taken out of it. Like in uh, the Wonder Woman 1984 uh, sketchbook, there's the uh, In Love piece i think eight minutes long and there are elements of it that you can hear from inception and i think there's a a couple cues that we heard back in gladiator that are present in it not they're not full redos of the same things but Hmm. similar uh similar sonically and in dune there's very very little that it's almost entirely unique and in the theater it just blew my face off basically and yeah and and again, he's done a sketchbook. Yes, the sketchbook is amazing. But not to be outdone this time, he's done a third, Do Not and <laughs> Soul, which is the companion music for the book that mm-hmm. came out uh, with the film. And that one's more soundscapes and less music. Yeah. So yes. I imagine reading the book and listening to it, when, you know, when you're reading up about Gady Prime, hearing those uncomfortable rhythms... <laughs> And sounds just kind of bring you into the mood of the hellscape that is Gady Prime. So while we're on soundtracks, and I would agree with you that Zim has had an incredible year, any other soundtracks impressed you this year? I mean, I'll throw in one of mine. I think uh, Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho. Not only the selection of the tracks he did from the 60s, which for me were very evocative, but also Stephen Price's score, I thought, thought was first rate. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember what's come out this year in in forms of score. Uh, I did start listening to uh, Daniel Pemberton's Being the Ricardos. Yeah, he has a new score out as well, by the way, called The Rescue. <clears throat> yeah, it- the uh, National Geographic documentary. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you listened to his score from Man from Uncle? Not recently. I'd have to go back and listen to that. It is phenomenal. It is the only score I have ever heard where the main driver of an action cue is a guy beatboxing on flute. Yeah. (laughs) What? On a flute? Yes, on a flute. It's the track Escape from East Berlin. It is phenomenal. And uh, also his score for um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword is fantastic. One of like the driving forces of an action cue in that is just people breathing into a mic. Rhythmically, and then you know, there's kind of a wailing that happens, but it's it's not like the uh, the Amazon whale in Snyder's Justice League that happens every single time Wonder Woman shows up on screen. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah. Just looking at uh, some of the the films that I saw this year, I thought the score for Cop Shop was extremely good. It's gonna be a lot that I haven't heard, but I haven't watched it either. So the the Last Duel I thought was quite good. Yeah, Harry Gregson Williams. But then he's uh, uh, was a trainee, of course, of Hans Zimmer. Uh, that's on Disney Plus now as well. Uh, the last deal. What? Yeah, it's on Disney Plus. What? Yeah, yeah. a film about rape on Disney Plus. Yeah, it exactly must, must be only in the UK because I don't see that happening here in the US. Okay, jumping back on track. Uh, so Elijah, that was a fantastic uh, 
sum up and some films there that I haven't seen, and certainly Blush, I will be, when we finish recording, going off to watch that. But what are you looking forward to most next year? All the films that moved off from this year, basically. <laughs> That's a fair number of them. Yeah, I wish I could say I was looking forward to uh, Doom, the second part. But uh, Warner Brothers and Legendary were kind of being stupid with it. Yeah, July 2023, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am really looking forward to Matt Reeves' The Batman. Oh, yes. Yeah. They had me at Noir. <laughs> yeah. And then I went, whoa, yeah, yeah, I'm in. I mean, Matt Reeves is an incredible director. And I know one of his styles is he goes and he rewatches classic films for inspiration for um, whatever he's going to do. I mean, it's probably common, but I've read his interviews where he talks about holding himself up in a theater and watching dozens of movies for, um, I think, the third Planet of the Apes film. And okay. he likes his inspiration to be from classic cinema. Like the Ten Commandments, because that's what come through in that lot. And, and yeah. I really enjoyed it. The yeah. Ten the- Commandments, Ben-Hur. Yeah. A lot of those classic films that he really brought to light. And his, his filmmaking style is much more paced that way, too. But any man that can bring us a, a monkey dual-wielding machine guns riding a horse, I'm okay with them directing a Batman <laughs> film. All right. They've got some street cred. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So let me throw some titles at you and see what you say to these then. Oh, it's just like a psychiatrist's chair. I say something to you, you give me a one-word response. Uh, death on the Nile. Someone is dead. The crime is murder. Never again is the murderer is one of you. Were you aware of any grudges? Madame is used to getting what she wants. Never again is what she I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe with any of them. There are so many conflicting hates and jealousies. Oh, I like this. Did you see or hear anything? I did not trust her. I still don't. What did you do last night? You accused me of murder. He accuses everyone of murder. It is a problem, I admit. I am actually looking forward to that. I forgot it was coming out next year. Yeah, February. Um, well, my wife and I really liked the uh, remake of... Um, Orient Express. Medics. Yeah. Uncharted. Yeah. <laughs> it's Tom Holland. Yeah. yeah. He's fine. I just it's one of those things that you get tired of seeing the same actor in every role. It's a bit overexposed at the minute, isn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. Downton Abbey, a new era. <laughs> Moving on. No. My Moving wife's on. excited though. The Northmen. Oh. I assume it has something to do with Vikings. Yes, it's by that guy that made The Lighthouse and all of those things. From acclaimed director Robert Eggers, The Northman is an epic revenge thriller that explores how far a Viking prince will go to seek justice for his murdered father. So it's Hamlet. (laughs) Probably just without the ghosts. Yeah, it's got Anna Taylor-Joy, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Willem Dafoe, Ethan Hawke, Bjork, Ralph Innocen. Uh, so yeah, good cast. So nobody I've ever heard of, then. Okay. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, a bit loaded with talent, isn't it? Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Yes, I think I'm on my own with that one. I don't know. No, I wasn't. Okay. I, I I kind of enjoyed the first Doctor Strange. I wasn't blown away by it. Yeah. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> If it wasn't for the fact that most of the stuff happens for real, 
and the fact that it's uh what is it John Kaczynski? Oh, did he write it? Not Krasinski, the uh, uh the guy who did Tron and Oblivion. Oh. Joseph Kaczynski, yeah. Yes. And uh is Joseph? Joseph, yeah. Okay. He he directed a film a couple years ago. Oh, what was it called? Uh is that Oblivion? Uh Oblivion? that was after Oblivion. It was a it was a true story based on the Granite Mountain Hotshots, a group of firefighters who all... Oh, Only the Brave. Yes. That was a fantastic Peter Berg film that he directed. Peter Berg's not involved. It just felt like a Peter Berg yeah. film. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. It had that definitely had that feel to it. Oh, I was surprised how it ended up. Yeah. Okay, let's continue down the list. Uh, Lightyear. Which is the Buzz Lightyear yeah. origin story. Yeah. I don't know. I'm. Uh, the first trailer looked pretty. And I'm down for a space film. Okay. This is meant to be the film that Andy goes to see at the cinema that he then gets the toy from. So that's where it fits in the um, sort of okay. Toy Story world. So right. it's, it's kind of, yeah, I, I thought that I was call, an interesting concept. I call bullcrap on that. There's no <laughs> way you've had a movie that good in 92 or 93, whenever uh, it came out. Black Adam. I'll wait till I see a trailer, a good trailer for it, because all we have now is a teaser, and it looks interesting. It looks brutal. Sure does, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's The Rock, so it's going to be entertaining. Yeah. Yeah. The Flash. I have, I'm on the fence. <laughs> really? It it looks like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where two studios basically have the same idea, but one comes out with it first. So it's very much going to be like Spider-Man, whatever this new one's called, I forget. No way uh, home. No way home. Granted, I feel like Flash idea was is a little bit older than the Spider Man one. Yeah, I think it's the um, Flashpoint. Um, yeah, experiment or whatever, where he tries to save his mother and then disrupts the time flow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like and, Ezra Miller as a Flash, so yeah, I'll, yes. I'll watch it. But, uh, I'm like Michael Keaton as Batman, so mm-hmm. that works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. How? Yeah, that's my question. How are they going to do this? Yeah, especially when one of the stars has sort of come out about the vaccine and whether she can actually get back to America when they resume filming is also debatable at the moment. They don't want to film in Africa? I think they did a bit of that. Um, They've done some in the UK, and now what's left is in America, but then Letitia White had an accident, so she's recovering Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, someone handed her a phone in that recovery phase and caused all sorts of problems. <laughs> so we don't know where that one's going to go, but it's and a like headache. Who, I mean, but you you look at Chris Pratt, it's the same thing. Why do you do it? that? That's your opinion, and that's fine. You don't have to broadcast it. Yeah. What Chris Pratt do this time? Uh, same thing about the vaccine, apparently. That he can, so the story goes, allegedly, this is allegedly for the podcast, I'm only repeating back what I've read, um, he's having difficulty getting acting work on screen and he's only doing voiceover because he's refusing to take a vaccination, allegedly. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about that. <laughs> it doesn't show up on his social media profile, that's for sure. But like, yeah. I'm thinking you, you had Chadwick Boseman, yeah. who... Yeah was shaping up to be one of the great actors of his generation and he's God. Yeah. How do you replace someone that iconic? Yep. 
It comes back to your first point. How? I mean, I just don't know how they're going to do this. Uh, but also, I'm just tired of. I think I'm I'm finally experiencing a level of superhero fatigue. Uh, I know that feeling. It took me a little bit longer than I think it did for a lot of people. <laughs> but once once the uh, Infinity War and Endgame hit, I kind of lost interest in what Marvel was making. Yeah, I think the 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 three films that's followed it, um, sort of Black Widow, Chang Chi, and the Eternals, have all been a bit of a, a bit of a reset and a, a, not quite what I was expecting. Although I really did enjoy Eternals, it was very different. I like Chang Chi; it was fine. That was good. Yeah, I haven't seen Black Widow, but that movie's like eight years too late. Yeah. Oh gosh, yes. And they keep saying it's like, oh, we didn't think we could get a woman. A woman movie would make a lot of money. Wonder it's Woman, like, yeah, and yeah. Um, Captain Marvel, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like, but you you had one of the most famous actresses in the world yeah. in a role that people loved her in, yeah. and you could not give her her own movie yeah. six or seven years ago. But even better, this has got Florence Pugh in it. Yeah, <laughs> well, I guess that would be worth the wait. She's she fantastic. So funny, yeah. And she's, she's so, so funny good. in it. Yeah. yeah, she's very funny. Um, I must watch it again just um, yeah. just for that. Just made me laugh. Got it a lot. Yeah. Like even the Marvel shows, I haven't been impressed with. I haven't seen Hawkeye, but like the One Division, I thought was mediocre. The Loki, n- none of it made any sense. That was just bonkers, wasn't it? Like they they couldn't decide whether they wanted. A single timeline or a multiverse. You can't have both. If a timeline splits, then you have a multiverse. But if there's no timeline split and you have a sacred timeline, which there are no splits, then you can't have a multiverse. Hmm. And so all these variants that pop up, like how the heck do you even have a, a a variant like this if they're so different? This timeline would have been wiped. Whatever. Sorry. I'm going no, off on a tangent. What, what I think has been fascinating about this is you know, obviously we've spoken about your films of the years and some great choices, but we've, we've just had a potted run-through. What's coming in 2022? Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was interesting. I've crossed a few of them off my list already. <laughs> Anything that starts with the word Ma is gone. <laughs> um, it ends with Vel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so, um, no, I think that's, that, that's great. And uh, what do you do for New Year, Elijah? How do you celebrate that? Uh, I think I usually celebrate it by staying up till midnight, but I do that every night. So what I might no, do okay. is go to sleep at like 10, wake up in the new year, and uh, hope that next year doesn't end up being as awful as the last two have been. Yes. Yeah, we, we are with you. Though I will yeah. say this second half of the year has been far better than the first no, yeah, for me personally. Yeah. So, as I said, wonderful choice, a wonderful walkthrough. Elijah, have a great Christmas and a happy new year to you and your family. And you guys as well. Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Cheers. Christmas. Thank you. Cheers. And now we go to our next guest on the show. And we're very pleased to have top BBC reporter Steve Nibs with us. Hi, Steve. Happy Christmas, dear. 
And happy Christmas to you too as well, both of you. Yeah, it's been a very busy year for everybody. So it's nice to have just a little bit of time off at Christmas. Do you get time off over Christmas or do you got to go out and do sort of special Christmas reports? Do you want to know a secret? So, well, it's not a huge secret. We do get some time off. That is the big secret. But our bulletins are shorter, so there isn't the need for so many stories. But also we get in a sort of a stockpot of films that we use as well because resources are a bit slimmer at Christmas. So we've all done stories that will run over the the Christmas period. Ah, brilliant. Uh, Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have told you that, but I don't know. No, no, that's all right. (laughs) The Christmas spirit. It's As they say, it's all part of the magic. And speaking of magic, how are things going with the show for next year? Great news. It's sold out. Fantastic. So at the moment, it is sold out unless we get any returns. But yeah, very kind of you to mention it again. We weren't sure whether we'd be able to do it. Again, this is the evening of Deception Show at the Everyman. And we put it on sale back in end of September, I think. And yeah, it's sold out. It started to sell really quickly. And then I think the last few tickets went at the end of November, beginning of December. So yeah, we're really pleased. And thanks to everybody that's booked a ticket. We had to change the lineup. So Kerry and Richard, who are due to appear, can no longer do it, unfortunately. But we've got Ava Bow, who is a great magician from Bristol. So really excited to get her on the bill. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing something completely frivolous and escapist and non-journalistic so yeah really looking forward to that it's been too long coming back to this holiday Mm. what's your perfect way of spending christmas it's a cliche isn't it with family and friends completely is is it my um wife's family live in greater manchester so we go and see them and then we spend time with my mum and dad in gloucestershire Uh, new year's eve is always a big night for me i've always loved new year's eve uh, in fact, if we're still doing plugs, my regular disco show that I do on BBC Radio Gloucestershire is again on this New Year's Eve from 10 till 1. So that's my little bit of radio indulgence. So I get to play one of my loves is disco music. So I get to do that oh. on New Year's Eve. Spoiler alert, it's not live. That's also pre-recorded um, <laughs> because I don't really want to be working <laughs> New Year's Eve. So that's a real joy to be able to do. To be honest, it's just taking some time out and seeing friends and just relaxing, lighting the fire pouring a good beer and watching a great film. Is that for a segue? That's that's brilliant. But just before we go into films, I've got to ask, with a love of disco music, have you ever heard of a film called Thank God It's Friday? Oh, no. (laughs) Go on. But I haven't, but go on. Oh, no, no. It won an Oscar. Donna Summer's Last Dance was written for this film. Okay. And it's basically all about one night in a disco in America. It was made in 1978. So you've got people like Donna Summer, Jeff Goldblum's in there, uh, Deborah Winger, all starting out in their career. Now, I love this movie. I think it, <laughs> it's a great deal of fun. The music's fantastic. Everybody else on the show hates it. <laughs> With a passion. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Getting a, I'm getting a sense that Graham isn't really joining in. No, 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 no. We started a thing on our review podcast where we do a couple of questions. And when I get to do the five questions, I always work a question in about, thank God it's Friday. That's torture. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Donna Summer track, was it the, did you say it was Last Dance? Last Dance, yeah. Is it any good? Because my featured artist is going to be Donna Summer. Oh, so maybe, okay, I'll put it in. I'll put it in for you. No, God, don't encourage him. <laughs> oh, oh, no. oh, yes. Yes. Oh, Definite plug. Don't forget to listen to Steve's show. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So, so the lead singer in Berlin, who uh, their biggest hit was Take My Breath Away from the film Top Gun. Yeah. She is also in Thank God It's Friday as an actress. Okay. 
That's some great trivia there. That's a disco and film trivia that I didn't know. <laughs> I'm grateful. I'll try and work that into the program on, on New Year's Eve. How about that? Brilliant. Don't feel you have to. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so that was talking about one of my favourite films there. Thank God it's Friday. But, Steve, we're here to talk about your favourite films of the year. So, 2021, as a film year, did you think it was hit or miss? Do you know what? I'm going to say hit because I got to go back to the cinema. I got to watch some good films. And considering what we've not been able to see. You know, this was the year that all the big films that were saving cinema were going to come out, all the big movies that we were waiting for. And I was happy with that. I think next year is going to be more interesting, isn't it? Because there's even more stacked up and, and a lot of anticipation for next year. But I think maybe for me, there was just a bit about, thank goodness we can get back and sit in a seat and watch a, a film on the big screen. Although one of my experiences, which I'll talk about, wasn't brilliant. Yeah, I think for me, it was a hit because it was just good to get back to the cinema. I think two of my films I saw on streaming, so they weren't all at the cinema. So let's uh, talk about those films. My first one that we watched as a family on Netflix was The Dig with Ray Fiennes in, which was, and it was just, we'd watched a lot of films during lockdown. And obviously not many new ones had come out until this year. And this one, we just sat, somebody had recommended it to us. We'd, We'd heard about it, but didn't know much about it. And we were just completely taken in. It was not my usual choice. So, you know, I like sci-fi and blockbusters and things like that. But we sat down and watched it as a family. It was moving. It was just so well written, so well acted. And for me, what I loved about the film, it was based on a true story, but also it it had a lot of space in the film. The story, it wasn't fast paced and you just got taken along for the ride. And it was, it was absolutely brilliant. Have you, have you seen it? Yes, I've seen it. I loved it. I I haven't. It's it's on my list to watch. Yeah, I can really recommend it. And it's just a really gentle story that you just get taken in by. The the, the whole premise is is the the discovery of a boat buried on the land of this stately home. And the Ray Fiennes plays the the sort of the archaeologist from the area who, who... uncovers it and it's it's just majestic it's filmed beautifully the cinematography is fantastic the acting is top-notch and it's a really really great watch and yeah really heartwarming as well oh excellent well i made my wife watch krampus over christmas which she absolutely hated christmas horror movies are not her thing so i need to get back in her good books and this sounds the perfect one for that Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with it. I don't know anybody that's seen it and not enjoyed it. It's. I'm a bit funny with costume dramas. Like, you know, spoiler alert, I'm not going to go and see Downton Abbey um, <laughs> at the cinema, just to say. Yeah. This is great. This is perfect. This is this is a good watch. Good winter film, actually. Light the fire, you know, over Christmas, if you get a chance. And watch this. Yeah, I can really recommend it. It's right. very, very character-driven, isn't it? You have that incredible relationship between Carrie Mulligan and Ralph uh, Fiennes which it just crackles. The two of them are just so obsessed with the same thing. They just want to uncover this great treasure. And and then, because he's not um, a sort of a university-based archaeologist, suddenly the guys from the universities turn up and try and take over it. And they don't know half of what he knows because he's a practical sort of guy. So it's oh, it's just wonderful. Yeah, and that's Ken, it's Ken Stott, isn't it? Who comes in is the great university um, archaeologist yes. professor, yeah. and he and, and it's great. it's a great character. He and they come in, and you, you can see sort of the Ray Fiennes character holding back, going, "Think what's going on?" But you know, the Carrie yeah. Mulligan and, and they know the score, and and obviously all is well in the end. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm just looking at the cast list now. You say Ralph Fiennes, Carrie Mulligan, but Lily James, Johnny Flynn, and Ben Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant oh, yeah. cast. 
And Monica Dolan is in it as well, who I think is really underrated. Well, that's a good start. There we uh, go. Good start. Yeah. All right. What's next then, Steve? So next is the first film that I went back to the cinema to, to see when we were allowed to. And it was A Quiet Place 2. which uh, I absolutely fell for the first one. My wife isn't a horror fan and she went to see it with a friend who said, oh, there's this great film, the the, the first one this year, a couple of years ago, uh, A Quiet Place. And she came back completely freaked out because they didn't know it was a horror film. (laughs) (laughs) So I absolutely loved it. I watched it and thought, what a great, what a great premise. It was just brilliant. I remember the whole experience of watching the first one about, by its very nature, there is very little sound and very little dialogue in it. And I absolutely love that. So really looking forward to it. I thought the sequel was fantastic. It, it, you know, it picked up, you had a bit of backstory and then picked up exactly where the, the first film left off, had the same sort of tension. I just love that sort of psychological horror. You don't know what's quite coming around the corner. Bit of this sort of alien thing where, you know, what's going to happen any second. The only issue for me was, and, you know, I have a, I might, can't remember whether I mentioned it in the last podcast we did, was a, a noisy people in the cinema. And you know, but it's, this, this film is called A Quiet Place. <laughs> and there was a guy behind me eating crisps and burping throughout the oh. film in the quiet periods, which is most of the film. He had one of my angry stares uh, and, uh, and, and was quiet after that. But it didn't spoil the enjoyment. Absolutely fantastic film. And it was just brilliant to be back in the cinema. Wearing a mask was absolutely fine and get back to it. So, yeah, really, really good. What's good about it is, as you say, it brings the scares. It's got the family. It's got the emotion. But it also expands that story as well. You start off looking back at how day one when it all happened. But then you start to see limitations with these creatures without spoiling anything for anybody who hasn't seen it yet but you get a whole raft of other characters that come in and out of the story. Yeah. It's, it's really, really good. Um, and Emily Blunt is fantastic. I think, you know, that oh, yes. the, the way she sort of carries the film and becomes the father figure, because, you know, again, spoiler alert, she's now a widow. Sorry if you haven't seen the first film, but do go and watch it. <laughs> and, you know, she's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I think Killian Murphy's in it. I just love that premise. I think what a simple premise where they go, okay, these aliens, these monsters have landed on, on earth. They're blind but they can hear everything and, you, yes. and they've turned it into, into two fantastic films and there's rumors of a third, isn't there? Yes. So yeah. Um, yeah, I can't wait for that. I just, I just love it. The flashback scene at the beginning where she's reversing back away from the monster. Again, a great piece of cinematography, absolutely stunning to watch. Love that sort of thing. Yeah. And the young girl in it, um, Millicent Simmons, isn't it? For somebody that young to carry half that film on her mm. own as well. It was just quite stunning to watch her and she is excellent and the great thing is about her is that she's really deaf yes and you know there's been a lot of talk hasn't there about people actors that are playing diverse characters or characters with disabilities don't actually have that disability but millicent is really deaf and that's that's great i mean we've only got to look at rose in strictly haven't we you know the love for those sort of characters for Millicent particularly, that role that she does is so strong. And in, you know, can't give too much away, but it becomes pivotal towards the end of the film. Yeah, yeah. absolutely brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. And a, and a bit of trivia for you. You know, the first thing Emily Blunt did after filming had finished? Go on. Went for a pedicure. <laughs> <laughs> I bet she did. I bet she did. <laughs> it still amazes me how much makeup she had on at the end of the film, though. It's, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. 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 Excellent. And the next one, please, Steve. Okay, so I'm going to go. It all gets a bit frivolously blockbuster now, but I'm, you know, I'm a Marvel fan, so you probably know what I'm going to say. 
Black Widow. Before I was an Avenger, I made mistakes. And a lot of enemies. His call signs Taskmaster. He controls the Red Room. They're manipulated. Fully conscious, but no choices. I should have come back for you. How many others are there? Enough. I've been Ooh. waiting a long time for this. Fascinating controversy on the side of it because it was obviously released on uh, Disney Plus at the same time it was released in the cinemas. Scarlett Johansson ended up suing Disney because she wasn't making as much money. I was nervous about this film I, because of the backstory. I wasn't sure whether it was going to work. And, you know, we'd, we'd known that she'd died in the Avengers and, you know, do, do you need to go back that much? And I'd, But actually, no, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Great performances from Florence Pugh as well because, and, and you know, obviously we're going to see more from her in the uh, in the Marvel universe as we go on. I think the character's really good. I, I don't have a problem with these standalone films, really. I, I know some people do, but I no, I thought it was really good. It had all the action that I wanted. It had all the laughs I wanted. We needed a bit of fun after what we've been through. We, we need a bit of a blockbuster. And David Harbour's in it, of course. Uh, he's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And, and and Ray Winston, who I was really surprised at. I wasn't sure whether he could pull off that sort of villain role, but he did. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was all great. Yeah, of course, it's a bit silly. Of course, you've got to know some of the in jokes and some of the backstory. Well, you don't have to, but it helps to enjoy the film. But no, that was that was a top one for me. For some reason, I couldn't get to the cinema to see it, so I I watched it on streaming. But it was just as good. If my daughter's listening, she'll be annoyed because I watched it without her. So we've got to watch it over Christmas. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's free now on streaming, isn't it? It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, much easier on the pocket. Yeah, and Florence Pugh, as you say, I mean, I think she's one of the best British actresses around at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And she sort of effectively, it was a, sort of a big major role for her, wasn't it? And she absolutely pulled it off. Absolutely pulled it off. Yeah, look forward to seeing more of more of that character, actually. Yelena Belova, I think it is, just looking at my notes here. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And I mean, what do you, are you, are you, do you like the blockbuster Marvel films or are you sort of... I Funny, of the three this year, so they've done this, Shang-Chi, or I called it Feng Shui, um, and... <laughs> And Eternals, Shang-Chi was the one for me I thought was really good. The others were okay, but I felt they didn't have, I nearly call it Feng Shui again, what Shang-Chi had. I just loved the way it brought you into the story, the way it created the mythology. You had the Aquafina character, who's essentially us, who's on the outside, so gets Mm. brought gradually into the story. Just generally that way of telling events that have happened in the past to bring you up to speed with the events on screen, I thought were, were, was amazing. Yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. I haven't seen Eternals yet. That's on my list to see very soon. But um, yeah, no, I, we, we really enjoyed that as well. And obviously more Marvel to come. Yes, a lot yes. more Marvel. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll save that for later. <laughs> uh, right. The only thing with Eternals, which sort of spoil it for me, and I'd be interested in your take on this when you see this, is essentially there's an ending, there's a mid-credit sequence, and there's an end-credit sequence. And all three of them, I'd enjoyed the film to that point, but all three of them, because I don't know Marvel uh, as well as Graham, I don't breathe it, um, <laughs> I had to go home and do a lot of research to understand yeah. what all the references were. 
But that's the only time in that film, because I like the fact that this is a Marvel story that sits above everything else. So, okay then, so that's the Marvel covered. What else in blockbusters have you got to say? So, not necessarily blockbuster but a film that i'd had my own for a couple of years and i can't remember when it was first mooted and how long how many times it was delayed or not but i'm gonna go for free guy ryan reynolds and jody oh yes now i'm a i was a big fan of ready player one which i think is a super film and this sort of hooked me in i'm a bit of a gamer as well i've been since i was a kid so this really hooked me in and the trailers were absolutely brilliant i mean the film actually goes a bit darker than than the trailers it's more than the frivolity of what you see in the trailers but i just thought what a great premise i i'm a big fan of ryan reynolds anyway he can be a little bit samey i think he's a bit marmite for some people but you know he does tend to be a little bit the same sort of character but then that's for me that's his strength but i just thought it was great jodie coma can do no wrong obviously um visually it was absolutely (laughs) stunning Apart from A Quiet Place and and The Dig, I've needed a couple of films where I can just take my brain out and just sit back and forget everything. And Black Widow was certainly that. Uh, Free Guy was that as well. Really, really enjoyed it. Had a smile on my face. I absolutely loved it. I agree with that. The thing with Free Guy that got me is when you get a lot of these blockbuster films, they tend to panic as you go into the last act of the movie and they tend to throw everything including the kitchen sink at the screen and there's non-stop action going on and it doesn't always make a lot of sense the script on free guy was perfectly done so it yeah. doesn't build to this huge massive fight there is a fight i won't, I won't take that away but it's very cleverly done and very well thought out what, what did you think ray well i saw it with you and i remember coming out and i'm going well that wasn't what i expected that was a million <laughs> times better yes it was a non-stop joke fest really it was a machine gun of jokes coming at yeah. you and it just never stopped and it all down to ryan reynolds he was excellent and yeah it was just a really good pick me up a tonic yeah. Honorary Welshman now, of course. Come on, Wrexham. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're, we're hoping for a draw with one of the Gloucestershire teams and uh, Ryan Reynolds yeah. will hopefully come to town on that. But And also, you know, Taika Waititi was in it. He played oh, he the sort was, of yes. the CEO, didn't he? And he's he's absolutely brilliant. I, You know, I'm a big fan of his through yeah. Marvel and stuff. But um, yeah, he was really, really good in it. I, You know, I loved his character. Again, I didn't get to see it at the cinema. Just, just couldn't get there in time. So I watched it on streaming. One of those films that I wish I'd seen on the big screen. I, if it comes on the cinema again, I will go back and see it. It just deserves that big screen to see it on. So absolutely fantastic. Yeah, good one. Glad you enjoyed it too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was a big surprise uh, and yeah. a real pleasure to watch. Absolutely. So that brings us to your top slot or, well, not exactly top slot, but your final film. Yeah, and I, I sort of struggled with this one a little bit. It's going to be an obvious one, I'm afraid. It's No Time to Die. Oh, I'm a big wow. James Bond film. My wife is a big James Bond film. We went for her birthday. We went in the afternoon, which I think is always a treat to go to the cinema in the afternoon when you've got day jobs. And I absolutely loved it. I think I'm a sucker for James Bond fa- films, have been since I was a kid. I'm, you know, you remember the days when the Bond film would be on on Christmas Day. And that's one of my memories. I think Daniel Craig has been a superb Bond and it, it had everything that I wanted. It had the action. It had the, thankfully, not so stereotypical bomb, but it had, it had all the right stuff. It had the Aston Martin. It had the gunfights. It had the action sequences. It had the uh, vodka martinis. It had the tuxedos. It had the lavish sets. So, yeah, we were both very, very happy with that. But obviously, 
big discussion about the ending. I don't know whether mm. we should really do that on here because there may be some people that haven't yet seen it, but was was absolutely brilliant. Lots of questions about the future, but it's it's difficult when you want to choose the best film of the year that you've seen. There are so many different reasons, but one where I came out and we I've I where everybody's been talking about it that I know. We've all been we've all been seeing it seeing it at different times. That for me is the one that and you know we've waited for that and it's been it's done really well at the box office and and hopefully that's the one that saved cinema after the pandemic. So yeah, that's mine. Yeah, no so, apology either. No, no, no. no. no absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah An yeah. absolute treat to go back to. I, I mean, I was sat there like a, a silly kid. I was just having <laughs> a big grin on my face. I thought the Bond girl was stunning and so funny and she got to do a load of action stuff as well. And yeah, I thought it was just so well done. And the ending, you think, oh, wow. Okay, (laughs) this is different. I thought Daniel Craig was just incredible. And he gave Bond a real soul. I think that was, you know, we've always, we've had, you know, the Roger Moores, which were just a bit silly. We've had the Pierce Brosnan, which was trying to take it up a level, didn't really work for most of them for me. But Craig was a real return to form in the Connery mold. And I just, I've just loved him as a Bond. From Casino Royale, which I thought is possibly the best Bond I've ever seen. Yeah, great stuff. See, my, my favourite is Skyfall out of all of them. Quantum of Solace at the end. I, st- I, I at the yeah. bottom, I still don't have a clue what was going on with that. Yeah, it was it was it was it was really good. And again, if you know, it's like what you forget about the Bond films, isn't it? And you talk about the backstory with the Marvel films and everything you got to know. It's similar with the Bond film. When you have got the same Bond, you have the same cue, the same well, not always the same M, obviously, but you have the same themes. And it's those, those nostalgia kicks. It's like your checklist. Go, yep, right, we got that. We got the gadget. We got that. You know. So yeah, it works really, really well. Uh, a big shout out as well for Hans Zimmer's music score. The way it referenced back to John Barry's on a Manchester Secret Service within it as well. Uh, it's, it's a masterful piece of work from a composer who doesn't always get the credit he deserves. Mm. No. And, and, and actually, you know, I watched Dune at the cinema, which I nearly put on my list, but didn't quite. His music is perfect for something like Dune, isn't it? They're just, yes. that, that's what he's, he's good at. And he's a, an absolute legend. Did you enjoy Dune? I did actually, yeah, I really enjoyed it. My the friend I went with, Paul, he'd read the book and I hadn't, and there'd been a lot of worries about it, hadn't there? Because the yeah. um, the previous versions hadn't been quite up to the, the the mustard. But I can see why it was part one. I'm looking forward to part two. But yeah, it was just again visually, it was a real assault on the senses in a good way. It was just yeah. visually stunning, and I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I love that. I think we've spoken before. I love that sort of dystopian view of the world you know obviously this is a different planet but that dystopian subject and really yeah really ticks my boxes yeah well i was setting up a little bet with graham that we we thought dune would be your choice of the film of the year so there we go that brings <laughs> oh, me wrong, really that's interesting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's got to be for you you know set it on a desert planet dune was such a huge influence on george lucas when he was doing star wars we thought ah he's a shoe in yeah no it's it, it, I, I thought about it a lot but actually the the films i mean it's got an honorable mention i was gonna yeah. say i've got a couple it's <laughs> it's that and uh, another film i saw this year which wasn't released this year actually but was don't breathe I should have mentioned it when we were talking about A Quiet Place. I don't know if you've seen that film, Don't Breathe. Uh, Um, I haven't. It's on my list, though. Oh, yeah. That nearly made my list, but because it wasn't released this year, I didn't Mm. put it on. So that's an honourable mention. Dune and Don't Breathe, uh, I can recommend. I haven't seen Don't Breathe Part 2 yet, but the premise is a guy lives in a house. He's an uh, ex-military veteran, 
and he's blind. Uh, this gang break in to steal his money and um, chaos ensues. And yeah, he get right. yeah, so it's amazing. Uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, along the same sort of lines as A Quiet Place, but in a very, very different setting. Let's just say that gang seriously underestimated this chap. <laughs> <laughs> they okay. did. I'm they putting did. it on yeah. my list now. Actually. Yeah, definitely. Great. I watched wow. it on. Um, I think it's on Prime. Um, okay. So yeah, definitely, definitely worth watching. That's excellent stuff for 2021. What are you looking forward to for 2022? Okay. So again, really, really difficult. But actually, there is sort of a bit of a theme, I think. And I mentioned with Free Guy that I'm a bit of a gamer. And one of my favorite game series from the recent sort of 10, 15 years of the Uncharted series. So the Uncharted film. And I know there's there's real risk, <laughs> isn't there, when video game is turned into a movie franchise. I mean, let's look at Tomb Raider. So it doesn't always go well. This is a video game that is absolutely ripe for being a film. It's Tom Holland is in it, who I love. I think he's brilliant as Spider-Man. And Tony Banderas is in it and Mark yeah. Wahlberg and think. So I'm really looking forward to this because it's the trailer looks absolutely fantastic. It looks like the game. It's, there's scenes in it that makes you feel, oh, yeah, I recognize that bit. That looks really good. It's Tomb Raider-esque. Nathan Drake is sort of the Lara Croft equivalent uh, in the Uncharted series. So that's out in February. And that is definitely on my list. Again, it's just a case of, you know, I just want a bit of fun and a bit of a laugh and some good action uh, series. I suppose it's like a, an updated Indiana Jones, if you yeah. like. That's a good reference, actually. Yeah, I, the trailer is manic. It is. Absolutely manic. And I thought, yep, that's Uncharted. That's exactly yeah. how it plays out in the game. But yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm not a great Mark Wahlberg fan, but I think he looks good in this. Yeah, it should be. Again, I mean, you've got to wait for the, the trailers always look fantastic. Let's be honest. Yes. Don't they? So, uh, so there's that. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to that one. And then in the next, I think that's out in February, then in March, who's not looking forward to the Batman? I mean, if, oh, you know, if oh, you're yeah. not, then yeah. Um, yeah. I'll have to yeah. stop now. Oh, take it easy, sweetheart. Hear everything they say. Maybe we're not so different. Who are you under there? I'm vengeance. The trailer that was just released a few weeks ago just completely sucked me in. And when they did the sort of the, the teaser, because they did a teaser before production stopped due to the pandemic, there's just that moment when Robert Pattinson looks up with his with the black eyes without his helmet on. I just went, oh yeah, this looks this looks really good. Uh, absolutely, can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah, I'm a sucker for the noir look yes. of Batman and that just has got it in bucket loads. And I thought, yep, that's it. That's That's going to be really, really interesting. Really good cast as well. Andy Serkis playing um, yes. Butler Alfred, which looks great. And Colin Farrell as the Penguin. I mean, what's not to like? I mean, it's, just got, <laughs> it's just got everything, hasn't it? So that's the one in March. And then uh, in April, again, I was completely fascinated by this story. And I do trust Ron Howard. This is 13 Lives, which is the film version of the real life story of the rescue mission of the young football team uh, in Thailand. It may be me, but this has gone under the radar a bit. I don't think it's it's had the publicity it deserves. But I'm really excited by this. If if Ron Howard and he's got a good track record, hasn't he, of of doing 
film is based on real life stories. So I think if he can turn it around and it, it doesn't over-dramatize it and it doesn't get too Hollywood, I think this could be absolutely fantastic. I didn't realize Ron Howard was doing that. Uh, no, I didn't either. No. Yeah, that's uh, that's jumped that one up my uh, list. Yeah, I'm reading The Boys at the moment, where uh, Ron and Clint Howard's autobiography. Oh yeah, and uh, it, yeah, you can see how grounded he is, and you know his the support he had from his family because both him and Clint were child stars, and it could have gone really badly wrong for them. Uh, oh, hang on, hang on. I have to go and see this. It's got Viggo Morgenstern, Colin Farrell, and Joel Edgerton in it. So that's me done. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's not even a question now. Yeah, yeah. I'm... I think it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wow. All right. It's a hell well, of a cast. Okay. What else is there, Steve? So moving on to May, and so I'm only going to do five films because I'm not going to do one a month, but it is like this at the moment. <laughs> and there's loads of Marvel films coming out next year. And Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. If this isn't good, I will be really disappointed. It took me a long time to get my head around what the multiverse was and uh, finally got to understand it with the recent Spider-Man film that was out, uh, that's been out this month. I love the Doctor Strange stuff. I, 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 was, I wasn't sure about it when it first came out, but I thought Benedict Cumberbatch was brilliant in it. And Elizabeth Olsen is back in this one is Wanda, uh, the Scarlet Witch. It's a, uh, a directorial debut for, for Sam Raimi. So I'm really, really excited by this. I, there are so many Marvel films to come out, obviously Black Panther 2, another Thor film as well. Um, but yeah, I'm going to get, because this is first up, uh, this is one of character that the character that we already know. Uh, you've got all the nostalgia kicks from what you know already. So yeah, that's that's my my first exciting Marvel film of the year. Fingers crossed. The first one I was a little bit disappointed. It was a lot of origin story mm-hmm. and not much else. Uh, but this one, I think they'll they'll really get into it. And Cumberbatch is just perfect. I I, I can't read the comics now without hearing his voice. <laughs> that's that's the way they that's the way they want it to be isn't it yeah yeah so that's four you said there were five yeah there's five so my fifth one uh is in june and again i'm a big baz lerman fan and i only discovered this was happening recently but he's doing a biopic of elvis which is coming out with um austin butler and tom hanks in. Mm. and they, they've only released a teaser so far so i think it's like a, a 50 second shot but if Baz Luhrmann is behind it. And I'm by no means, I'm not a massive Elvis fan. I admire his music and he, without doubt, was a, was a huge star and, and quite rightly. But if Baz Luhrmann is behind it, then it should be something special. Again, yeah. it's a bit of a fingers crossed one. But I mean, I think, again, that's gone a bit under the radar. But hey, it's six months away. So we'll know more about it coming in, in the new year. Yeah, and it's Tom, got Tom Hanks in. So Tom Hanks is uh, Colonel Parker. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be very interesting. I don't know anything about the guy who's playing... Um, Elvis, though, this Austin Butler? Guy. No, I don't. I don't no. too much. But um, he's... Jeff? <laughs> Jeff? Uh, no, I don't. It's, what? It's new name on me, yeah. Wow. Okay. Even Jeff yeah. doesn't know him. Wow. Yeah. He, he, no. I'm just looking him up now. He hasn't been anything that I've seen so far. Oh, he was he was in Hannah Montana on the Disney Channel with Miley Cyrus. Yeah, that's gone over my head too. Um, yeah, <laughs> he was in. Uh, that silence, didn't he you? was. He was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, and that's about it. But um, yeah, I know very little about it. It's interesting because that was the film that Tom Hanks was making when he caught COVID. Yes. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Ah, okay. Didn't know that. 
So it's yeah. been a long time in production. So. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason why that should be bad. I mean, Baz Luhrmann has, has never made a bad film that I've seen. Let's keep our fingers crossed on that. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you. Those are my big ones. Honourable mention has got to go to Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but I won't dwell too much on that. Um, but one I'm definitely not looking forward to and won't be going to see is Aquaman 2. <laughs> okay. You didn't like the first one then? I couldn't. No, I, I, I thought it was awful, actually. Can I be that honest? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I just, no, I just, I didn't like it. And I'm, and it wasn't because I'm a Marvel fan uh, and this was uh, DC, not at all. I just, it was, it was just, there was just a lot wrong with it. I mean, I remember one scene where the, him and one of the other characters was stood on a rock and they had to get out to a, a an oil rig, like. 50 miles out at sea and they could both swim underwater but instead of doing that they got in a boat <laughs> and it and it didn't make sense because i said to my brother-in-law who i was with i said why are they taking the boat when they can swim really fast under the water <laughs> so it was things like that it was it was terrible really so apologies if you liked it all things being equal next christmas you'll have a choice between aquaman 2 in one screen and avatar 2 in the next screen well, that's yeah. Avatar two has got to be the one, isn't it? <laughs> I would have thought so, but yeah, I'm not, I, I, I'm not holding be. my breath for for that film coming out. Well, it's a bit of a rush job, isn't it? Has he started it yet? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It's only been in production like I mean, ten, twelve years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I suppose with all the all my previews of next year, have, have you guys done your films of next year yet, or is that in a future broadcast? We've spoken uh, a bit about it. I mean, for me, Nightmare Alley. Guillermo del Toro's film based on the noir story from the 40s with um, Brandy Cooper. It, it's just everything I see about this film looks brilliant. And I'm so looking forward to, to seeing what he does with that. I'm fascinated to see what Kenneth Branagh has done with Belfast. Everybody I know who's seen it is raving yep. about it. And of course, we've got somebody who will be able to say how authentic <laughs> it is because Graham actually grew up in that area at the same time. So, ah, uh, did you write? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to try and watch it at the same time as my brother, who currently lives in Los Angeles, and see if we can say, see it on the same day or around the same day. So we compare notes. What was it like that when we were growing up? So Fantastic. We shall see. We Excellent. Shall see. Yeah, it's, I think it's good looking at it. It's going to be a good year next year. There's a real good mix of films, and the studios are just going, <gasps> fingers crossed, you know, let's hope that we can we – can, our release schedule stays as put and our production st- schedule stays put, and we can just put some great films back in the cinemas. But I guess what must be upsetting for you, though, Steve, is there's no Star Wars. I knew you were going to mention that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, in a, in a couple of days' time, I've got the book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus. Oh, so, yeah. you know, there's, there's the, the Disney+, Plus is keeping my, um, my Star Wars fascination uh, going for the moment. <laughs> That's enough for me for the moment. I think the trouble is, you know, there's, there's always nerves about a new film. But um, so I, I did sort of breathe a slight sigh of relief that there wasn't going to be another because you get so built up about it. But the the series have been have been so good. The Mandalorian was just superb. Um, Un- unbelievable, the Mandalorian, how it good was, it was. It was perfect, wasn't it? It was everything yes. that we wanted it to be. So we've got that. We've got Obi-Wan Kenobi as well coming up. My uh, desire for Star Wars content is being is okay at the moment. Excellent. But yeah, it would be nice to see it on a bit one on the big screen. W- without giving any spoilers on this, that final episode of Mandalorian season two, when yeah. a famous character from the past reappears. Yeah. Did you know that was going to happen? 
No, it was brilliant. And that was the great thing. I always remember when I went to see The Force Awakens again, which we were really excited about. Some One of my friends at work, who's not a Star Wars fan, said to me a couple of weeks, he said, you know, apparently one of the main characters dies, don't you? I went, no. And it throughout the whole film, I was just waiting for it. And it really took the edge off the film for me. I, I absolutely hate spoilers. Oh. That was an amazingly... It was an amazing kept secret. I was watching it in our living room and my wife and daughter were downstairs watching uh, something else because I said, look, it's the last one of The Mandalorian and I'm going to watch it now. Again, without giving any spoilers, you see something happen that makes you think that can't be, can it? And I I just gave a big cheer. My my wife came out, what's the matter? I said, look, it's this. And I was getting a little bit emotional and, you know, yeah, you know, sort of grown man crying. Uh, It was just brilliant. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. And now they've released the making of to see how they did it as well is, is, is really good. Surely every Star Wars fan around the globe was going, at last, we've got the, the, the nostalgia kick that we wanted, um, the one thing. So, yeah, it was absolutely – I'm not sure how they can top it, actually, because you can't. No. I, I think, for me, <clears throat> one of the things with Star Wars always been it's a space western, because yeah. in the 70s, westerns are big, and this took it over. And The Mandalorian takes it back to its roots. And I don't tend to watch a lot of TV series, but I have watched both of those and really yeah. enjoyed them. And, and it, just the way it's filmed is – the sets are the same. the The look is the same. The um, the you know John Favreau is just a genius when it comes to that um, sort of stuff. And you know they know they know what they're doing, don't they? This is it. In you know J.J. Abrams is a great director. Debate whether or not those Star Wars films were brilliant. I thought they were great. I didn't like the Last Jedi, but I liked the other two because um, I just I was happy with the nostalgia. But there's something about the Milan- the Mandalorian. It gave everything, gave the Star Wars fans what they wanted, which was the nostalgia kick, without there being the the eternal references to similar storylines or similar characters. But you were going back to Tatooine, you were going back in the cantina, you were seeing things that were familiar to you. But again, it was different. But you did have that character back at the end, which was yeah, that was great. Uh, yeah, yeah, more of that, please. Yeah, more of that, definitely. Well, thank you very much for your time on this, Steve. It's really much appreciated. And I've got to say before we finish, thank you very much for all the reports that you do and uh, bring to both radio and TV, especially the work that you've been doing uh, covering COVID in Gloucester Royal. That's really appreciated by everybody that works there. So thank you. You're, thank you. you're more than welcome. I mean, in in the greatest respect, I'm hoping that we do less on COVID next year. We yes. keep oh, please, please, keeping yes. our fingers crossed. <laughs> you know, there are other stories are available, um, <laughs> and I just hope we uh, we start to uh, do less of that in the new year. But who knows? Yes, yeah. But thanks for that. You know, it means a lot. No, thank you, Steve, and happy New Year to you. Happy, happy new, new Year. year. Dry martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of quinoa lily, shake it over rice, and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. You know, I'll have one of those. So will I. Certainly. My friend, bring me one as well. Keep the fruit. <laughs>